Happy birthday to ya. Happy birthday to ya. Happy birthday. Come on, Stevie. Come on. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, you hired Stevie? I hired Stevie. Oh, my God. <laughs> Welcome back to Good Mom's Bad Choices. I'm Erica. And I'm Mila. Happy Wednesday. Happy Wednesday. Welcome back to Make Your Own Magic October. October is my favorite month. And guess what, you guys? It's my birthday. It's a very special day. It's my wife's birthday. I'm 27. She's 27. <laughs> wow. I don't so know why. Young. I feel like 27 was a good year for me. I don't know why. Wait. Oh, yeah. It was the year I gave birth. It's a very transitional year. And I feel like I'm in a transitional year in my life. So we're going back to the 27s. Okay. Well. I'm with it. If you Google me, you'll find out how old I am, but don't do that shit. If you're 27, I'm 26. I'm with it. <laughs> That's true. Exactly how old I feel. <laughs> um, how do you feel today? Um, like I said, I feel like I'm in a transitional year. I feel good. I feel good. I feel like this year has been very challenging for me. I've had a lot of deep shadow work I've been going through and working through and things I thought that I had already dealt with have resurfaced. And so I'm kind of in the midst of journeying through that path um and but excited to do excited to do the work and like honestly I'm I'm even more grateful too because part of the work is with my dad and my dad is really on board with participating in that part of the work that I need to do with him um so actually next week me and him have a solo trip planned um for the weekend and I'm fucking nervous as hell I'm trying not to have expectations, which is really hard, which is the whole thing I'm trying to undo with men. <laughs> um, but I am open. I'm open. I'm happy. And I'm grateful to be alive and have been doing this thing here for five and a half years. The whole 30s. The whole. Oh, my God. Has it been all of my 30s? Whole 30s. <sighs> I guess I just told everyone how old I am. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. The whole 20s. Fuck. My whole 25, <laughs> four and a halfs. Yeah, yeah. It, you know, it's I'm ex- I'm excited for you. And um, I think sometimes as we're like going into new ages and new stages of our lives, like for instance, when we were like going into your 30s, I, people tell you all the time, like 30s are going to be different. It's going to be so different. And, like just like what, motherhood's so crazy, but you don't really fully understand or grasp that until you do it so I think after you go through those very pivotal moments when you are going through something that's transitional like you are right now that like it 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 brings a little bit more ease because you're like oh I've done some I've done some transitional shit before and at the other side there's this grand thing but you know when you get to that part when you're like something's not right here and I have to do some work it can be difficult so I'm proud of you and I'm excited for this year and these changes and that you're embracing them and I'm excited for your journey with your with your dad and your your trip, I think a lot of people don't get the opportunity to identify when they're having like having parts of their lives that they're stuck in, and then even go even deeper to be like, well, this is related to this person, and this person is still here, so let's deal with it. And I realized, like, I was just thinking this yesterday. I'm like, this crazy thought came, and I'm like, am I close to my parents, or am I just are they my parents? And so there's an assumption of closeness, mm. you know, like when you grow up in the household with someone. 
or not. You know, you're like, you see them every day, so it feels close. But as we become adults and we go off into the world and then we go, you know, the whole thing is like, you have kids, you make your own family, you get married. And then you're like, but like, do I talk to these people on a day-to-day basis like I do my homegirls or my friends? And it kind of scared me, you know, because mm-hmm. it's like all these none of the, none of us are going to be here permanently. And mm-hmm. so what does that look like if, you know, like this this idea that there's closeness, but then the reality that maybe it doesn't exist like we think it is and, mm-hmm. you know, how abrupt the ending of that can be if you're not really working on the relationships actively. Mm-hmm. So, like, um, I'm excited to see, you know, how that plays out for you and, like, your, Thank you. Your feedback I feel back. very fortunate that I have a parent that wants to do that because I know that it's there's there's a difference between having a parent that's alive that you want to work through some shit with and they can't even they won't they're not going to participate or they won't even acknowledge anything versus a parent that is like what do you need how can I how can I help this how can I help serve you in this way or how can I help heal this this thing, this damage that I've done. <laughs> it also makes me wonder for, for me, for me as a mom and as a parent, and I think about how I am with my parents right now. And I'm like, what the fuck? Like if, if Luna grows up and is 35 and I'm like speaking to her once a week, I'll be like, what the fuck? You know what I mean? And like how sad that can be for a parent. You know, I think parents are probably more aware of it because they're the parent. Whereas we're like at the peak of our lives, just like, I got to work and I got to figure it out. Where parents are like, probably realizing that the not that it's coming to an end but you are getting older so the the mortality of that is more present and so it's like you know it probably you know just like parents feel sadness when your kid goes off to college or gets married there's this level of losing them or losing that relationship and um I don't know it's kind of that's it scares me a little bit you know so it is exciting that your dad's willing to do that and I it makes me wonder like do I need to it reminds me of Durand asking us this question that we intentionally swept over when he was like, would you be friends with your parents if they weren't your parents? Mm. And I was like, Ooh, dog, relax <laughs> with these questions. But, um, you know, it's like, yes, they're your parents, but is there a level of friendship that you have there? And are you working to maintain that or, you know, even discover it if it doesn't exist? So mm-hmm. I think that's, I think your dad's cool. And I think he's cool. Like for, being open to doing it and he's aware of like what you know the relationship you guys have had so i think that's like super super uh, inspiring mm. that is a deep question i want if you're listening ask yourself that question because i'm sitting here thinking like i know yes i would i would be friends with my parents mm. now right if you asked me like five years ago i don't i don't think so i don't know yeah. definitely didn't, i don't know Sorry. But th- th- Sorry, mom. <laughs> but those are questions we don't, we don't generally ask ourselves. Yeah. So it's, it's nice to, yeah. it's, it's nice when people pose those questions so you can have the opportunity to reflect on it because a lot of people will just bypass those things and then you'll, you have regret, you'll have regret, you know, and it's like, might as well deal with the things that come up in real time so that you're not dealing with it when it's too late. True. Mm-hmm. Facts. Well, we have another parent here in the building. Um, we have one of my dear friends and someone that I just admire so much Um, she is a master wellness educator she's also the host of Deeply Well podcast Um, she's a mama to a cute cutie pie little boy Um, Debbie Brown welcome back to the show thank you I'm so happy to be here with you both (laughs) I'm so happy to have you Um, would you be friends with your parents Yes. And, you know, I was really relating. First of all, that was beautiful. That whole exchange around because, my God, is that complex? <laughs> um, I, I think I, you know, oh, there you go. 
Yeah. I think at the place that I am at now at this age with my mom and just especially seeing her be such a phenomenal grandmother to my son, like, absolutely. She's a, she's a really amazing friend. Mm. Yeah. I mean, it's, I feel like it's a journey. I think, I think for women too, the relationship with the mom is always a little bit complicated. It's a little murky. Um, and, and obviously there's so many layers to that, I think, because of the, the, the time in which our, our parents grew up in, um, the pressure to be perfect wives or perfect mothers or and not having the tools also to, to self-regulate and really know how to uh, support their child. Because I think a lot of times, too... Um, society paints this version of of motherhood as like you give birth to your mini me and it's not that like and then you're disappointed kind of or you're frustrated like why are you acting this way this is not what this is not what I would do or this is not how I would behave and so then there's that resistance at least for me with my mother like we are very different people similar in ways but different people and I always felt like there was this like miscommunication of like this is who I am and I'm not gonna be that and it became like this tug of war and I feel like over the last few years like there's kind of honestly I think it's good moms really that really helped um heal our relationship because I had to stand 10 toes down in what I was doing and because I loved it I love it so much and I'm so passionate about it and she didn't understand it and it caused a lot of turmoil at first in our relationship. And then I said, no, this is what I'm doing. And then obviously now she's seen the growth and, you know, the journey. And there's like a level of like, I think she respects me as an mm. adult finally. I mean, I'll always yeah. be her baby. Um, but that has also, I think, softened her to who I who I was as a younger child and really understanding like, the rebellion that I was going through in ways of like, this is how I want to dress. This is how I am. Like, I'm not weird about nakedness just because you are, even though like my mom was butt ass naked in my house every single day. That's just, that's why I would always be so confused. I'm like, mom, you're like the most naked person I know. Why are you oh, acting? Like growing, we- up, growing up? Yeah. She would be just butt ass, butt naked all over the place. Like Erica and I would be, I, sometimes I would be uncomfortable. I'd be like, mom, can you just like put some underwear on? Like, God damn. <laughs> she was like, this is my house. My house. Shit. Like, whoa, I can see where I was birthed. Um, <laughs> the portal is clear. <laughs> the portal is shining. Um, but I think that there's a level of understanding and softness that has, I've, I've seen her adopt in the way she communicates with me. Like, I've seen, I don't even know if it was intentional, but I, so probably something I need to acknowledge and tell her because re- even more recently, I've the way she talks to me on the phone, like, hi, honey, how are you? Like, she's very like, hey, how you doing? Whereas before, I always felt like, oh, God, I'm in trouble. Like, what did I not do? What? You know? So, um, yeah, there's there's definitely been a growth there. So mm. now I definitely would be friends with my mom. <laughs> it's so interesting. Like, I'm hearing you talk. I'm just like thinking about us as a unit. And I'm just thinking like, you know, our parents did come from a different time and they were experiencing different shit. And like we, not surpassing our parents, but spiritually and emotionally, absolutely. And I don't know, like I actually want to know like what your background is and you're like how your spiritual upbringing was. But in my household, it were, there really wasn't 
a lot, you know, like it wasn't like we weren't very religious. In fact, like my dad told me like Jesus was just like some white man that all the white people told us to believe in and then everyone believed him and like you know, <laughs> people are dumb basically. <laughs> and like so I wasn't forced into any religion, but I've always been like attracted to like spirituality and the mystics. But I realized that there is this like um, emotional intelligence that we kind of have kind of been birthed into and I'm sure it's partially the internet and I'm thinking it's partially just like the way the world is going that it requires us to be a little bit more attuned and I think that this generation right here has been given this like extreme blessing slash responsibility to heal um, the generations before us and I see it like I feel it and I see it in my kid and I see it when I see my look at my mom and you know I've seen her grow in ways and same like shift to what I'm doing and be like, okay, like, okay, I get it now. But like, it's always been a lot of this and I'm a lot of person, so I get it. Um, and I'm very rebellious and I'm very 10 toes down in who I am. But even to the, like, even when I was talking to my dad and he was like, but you know, back in the day, like my parents really didn't tell us we love them. And I asked them about that. And it's because their parents didn't tell them they loved them. And there was this like disconnect of emotional, like emotional vulnerability. And I, I mean, I think as brown and black people too, when you have a lot of shit to worry about, like survival, um, there's not a lot of time for like the woo-woo shit. And so it's like, get the work done, work hard, do this, don't fuck around. So I think when they see us and we're like, oh, I'm naked, I'm doing this. They're like, wait, like they don't, there's a level of misunderstanding. But I think it's also shifting shifting generations of like trauma for us you know and like i think it, it it's a it's an interesting thing to watch us being ourselves and then watching our parents kind of like us be the parent and them kind of come out of the the you know like out of their um just like that very stubborn place where they were and like i was just thinking about all the tools that we utilize like the tarot cards and the readings cuz i know I'm, i've been to your reader through erica and i had like a um I had a, uh, what did I have? Constellation. I had a family mm. constellation done. And even for me, I'm like, this is crazy weird. This is so weird. But I'm still open to it. And I'm like, then I'm like an hour into it. I'm fucking bawling, crying, standing on pieces of paper. But I mean, I just imagine for like our parents, these were things that they would never be open to. And they'd also be like, what the fuck? You know what I mean? But us being open to certain like levels of spiritual medicine has really like, it's going, it's going to change the paradigm for our, our kids and just being open to that type of stuff. And I'm just like wondering. Wondering what was the background growing up with your mom and your family and like did they did she encourage it or was it like forbidden or what did that look like yeah well first I would love to speak to everything that you just said because <laughs> um, I mean it was just so beautifully impacted and just so deeply true um, and some of what you're saying it's interesting because I think back you know when you come into enlightenment especially if you are a breaker of generational trauma in your family line, or especially if you are an awakener, a way shower, which so many of us are in this generation. Um, I think you go through stages with how you relate to your family system. And of course, this is dependent on our individual experiences. And some people have a lot of truly unforgivable big T trauma that happens with their families. So I'm not quite speaking to that. But 
you go through this phase where, you know, it's like at first you're just high on your own shit because you just think you're so great because you're figuring stuff out (laughs) and you're breaking these curses and you're doing things differently and you're having these awarenesses. And then there's a lot of anger that happens towards your family of origin and sometimes a lot of shaming of them and a lot of a deep desire to disassociate and disconnect. And then hopefully the farther we get on our journey and the more we soften, there comes a lot of humility. Like in the last few years, I've come into an immense amount of humility in the way that I was walking around with my awakening and kind of allowing it to make me feel sometimes better than or... Mm. Um, above, you know, I'm just, oh, I'm so, and I know, and I see how the world works and I understand because to the point of what you said, yeah, none of this existed for them. You know, it's like, we're only a handful of decades removed of women having the right to have bank accounts of women having universally around the country, like the right to work without permission. And I think something I, I've, I also have really been fascinated by that I'm studying is like, I I love to study generations, like dating back 100 years, like what were people going through in whatever times it was? And I think we are always at the mercy, no matter how pure your heart is, no matter how good your intention, we are always at the mercy of the collective consciousness of the time, which means billions of people, you know, like it influences everything. Um, But I think, you know, As we kind of process our stuff, and for those that are looking to reconnect with their families, you know, I think the thing that we hear a lot is like, you know, they didn't get that either and and have compassion. Yes. And have a deep gratitude that you were born in a time that you could connect to this work with so much ease. Granted, no matter what, doing the work is hard, but the fact that you can open up Instagram and read an infographic that explains something that took somebody maybe 10 years of therapy to understand. And not only are you understanding it, we're blessed with the fact that the collective now is having new languages, understanding these things. You can slide into conversations like this in a way you never could, you know? So as much as we feel really proud of the work that we're doing and we should, there also has to be humility with it because it's not that we're better than the generations that came before us. We just have a completely different set of circumstances and opportunity and space to do this work. I'm thinking about the collect, like you're talking about the collective and I'm thinking about in this time, yes, there is the luxury, right? That we have these things at our fingertips. I have, what you call it? An infographic that yeah. can break down something super quickly that maybe someone took 10 years to figure out. There's also kind of like a privilege in that as well, where I can just kind of like, okay, got it, swipe, next. Oh, that was cute. Oh, you took you ten years, cool. Um, Like, how do you view that? Like, is that is it is it dangerous or is it helpful? Like, what what where what would you how would you describe the collective right now? I think everything is always both. You know, like I think in every field that we're in and every paradigm that shifts, like you always have awful, mediocre, good, excellent, you know? And I think that's the same thing for this time. And in some ways it is dangerous because a lot of people who don't do the work are getting 
equipped with language, they don't apply or understand. Um, and a lot of people are just memorizing books and memorizing terms and regurgitating. But to actually change oneself, it it's a slow process. It takes years. It's not a weekend of vision boarding. That can motivate you. But that deeper inspiration that actually allows you to embody new ways of being and change your life it's a very slow, beautiful unfolding, and it requires a lot of patience, and it requires a lot of revisiting. You know, something you said earlier, it's like, I thought I healed this, and you did. You healed what you had access to at the time, and because of that work, now there's a little more. Mm-hmm. Now there's the opportunity to see it from a different lens, to apply that same healing to other areas of your life, you know, and so... I think that's, and maybe this isn't the perfect word for this, but it's the one that keeps coming through. It's like, be in humility with your process. That is what will really um, guide you and push you forward for the rest of your life. Allow yourself to be in dignity with your process. Um, Be in integrity with your process. It's not about who's more healed and how much we know than the other person or how many. Well, I did ayahuasca this many times, so that means this. Or I did da-da-da-da-da. It's like, cool, cool, cool. And we all have our stuff from this lifetime and all the others. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like it's not a race to enlightenment or consciousness. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think very often people especially once they get connected to certain language, it's just so easy to get high in your own supply. It is so easy to be feeling yourself and holding <laughs> yourself as above. And, you know, I'm, I'm always of the belief, no matter where I am in my wisdom and my knowledge and my process, I'm, belo- I'm above nor beneath anyone ever. I'm just dancing with my unique karma and my unique spiritual curriculum. Um, and actually, to answer your question that you had uh, to start, I didn't come from a spiritual home. My, I think my mom was having her own um, reckoning with God. And so God was not at all present in my house, but I always longed for God. Like I remember being a child and being fascinated by church and being very fascinated by Christ. Mm-hmm. But it kind of was... Um, very adjacent to my experience. Uh, I'm an only child raised by a single parent and I was a latchkey kid. So it's like all of those layers kind of of experience in childhood. I was always curious about God. I always felt God, but I didn't have any systems or language around it or anyone to talk to about it. So my dance with the divine has always been about me seeking it out. And then applying and growing in that kind of as my own personal relationship. At what point did you begin to seek it out? Was it was it de- during that time or was very it very young? In life? Yeah, I think I, I I came into an awareness that I was a very highly intuitive child, really young, mm-hmm. and I think that was noticed by adults around me, and also probably. Um, really disliked. You know, I was always very, very, very aware of patterns of decisions and choices adults were making. I was always kind of observing and evaluating. Um, my mom used to call me like, you were, you were a deep feeler, you know, and I'm like, to say it lightly. That's what my mom says to me. Right. I'm like, to say it lightly, there's a lot going on in this thing. But, (laughs) But yeah, I think I was always intuitive. So I was connected to the mystery of being here on earth and like to 
kind of those unseen energetics and forces that you feel. Um, and then I just kind of, I, I've always been, since I was a kid, this, this sounds like kind of ridiculous. Like I wasn't Doogie Howser or anything, but like, <laughs> I was always like, I read at like a, a ninth grade level, like, um, like I think in first grade or second grade or something like what? I had like, I know you were Doogie Howser. <laughs> I, I had like a, a terrible at math and science, but, um, always really connected to like language and, and reading and, and history and fascinated by it forever. Um, and so I would just kind of start, there was no internet back in my day, but I would just kind of leaf through books. And I think growing up in LA and I had a very contrasting way that I grew up, like I experienced like a lot of extremes in lifestyles, um, and in cultures, I think, I feel really grateful to have been born in LA and raised in the way that I was because it allowed me to see the way that other people were connecting to God so much, other cultures, other backgrounds, other households. It's like, you know, there were meditation studios, you know, if like you went to Santa Monica, there were yoga studios, there were, so there were things that were always like seeding my consciousness of like, I don't quite know what that is, but damn, I feel a pull to it. At some point I'll investigate, you know, and then it all started making sense. Mm. So you kind of just started to pull the things. Yeah. That, yeah. Cause like, do you, I mean, I don't know if you identify as a Christian or a Catholic mm-hmm. or you just kind of identify as what a spiritualist or someone who I, I respect so much about religion. Um, I'm very drawn, especially to like Catholicism. I, I believe that Christ is the most masterful teacher that has walked the planet. Um, but in no way would I say that I kind of adhere to any dogma or any like particular belief. Like I believe in my relationship with the divine. I believe in goodness. I believe in integrity. I believe in trying to make doing what's right because it's right and making aligned choices. Um, but I wouldn't say that I believe in like that any one system of worship is better than any other. It's mm. how do you know God? And are you sure that you're aligned with God or you aligned with the middleman connecting you to God. I think that's something really important to look at. Mm. The middleman meaning like the one who's delivering the message or. Yeah. Mm. Cause you know, it's like we hear, we hear so many stories you have your, you know, you have your just mind blowing prophets. Like one that I respect so deeply is TD Jakes, you know, his daughter, Sarah Jakes, like you have really anointed, beautiful, powerful, conduits of the divine vessels of the divine. And then you also hear all the stories about, you know, the cults and the predators in churches. And, you know, again, it's like everything, whether we're talking about wellness, whether we're talking about religion, whether we're talking about the medical industry or the, you know, I don't know the, the motor industry. I don't know. There's always a spectrum of the way that you experience it. There is terrible, mediocre, good, excellent. So Mm -hmm. it's always like evaluating, like, is this the best? Is this the most connected? Is this the most aligned? And like, yeah, just really being present with yourself and holding whatever systems you put yourself in to a higher ideal. I think about like gurus, right? Because people like, you know, they... Some people live and die by their their guru or their... Did you ever, in, in your journey... And obviously it's continuous. Um, Do you have, did you have any moments in which like you felt like 
maybe you were adhering to that middleman and that you had to kind of like break th- free and have sovereignty over like what your belief systems are and if and if so like what was that what was that moment like mm. what a what an important question I would, for my personal journey, I would say no. And I think that's because, you know, the nature of being an only child, especially with a single parent and a latchkey kid, you're hyper independent. Mm -hmm. So I've been hyper independent my whole life. Like one of the things that always comes up in my astrology chart is like, you will never be able to get Debbie to do anything that she doesn't (laughs) want to do. Like my body just won't move. And I've always been like that since a child. So like... For me, it's, I think it's also been like, I've never had any true mentors at any point in my life. It was always about, okay, I need to figure this out. And so because of that, I developed, I think, um, a lot of self-trust really young, even if I was, you know, I'm deeply flawed and I 1 million percent have not always, and still do not make the best choices all the time, but I've always known that like I'm sovereign and I'm my own being and I'm taking myself where I need to go. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Is that something you saw your mom like exemplify and so you adopted that or is there something that's like in, in you solely in your DNA? I think definitely a little of both. You know, I think my mom is an incredibly strong woman and an incredibly creative woman. And I've always seen her be resilient beyond belief. So there's definitely, you know, this kind of like tolerance to endure this ability to push through that I absolutely got from her. And I think part of my unique destiny is that I've always meant to be, I've always, did that even make sense? I've always been (laughs) meant to be, um, a little bit of an outlier, a little bit of an observer of things that are going on. Um, again, not above nor beneath, but just, I've never been an organizational person. I'm not a big groups person. I can have fun in groups. Um, I'm a super extrovert, which sometimes people are surprised to know, but yeah, I've always just felt really good about doing my own thing and trusting that whatever I feel called to do, I can do it. Has, has that been challenging for you? Like, a growing in your spirituality and in this space, but then like dating and like like I'm sure, has that been intimidating? <laughs> <laughs> intimidating for men or like it's been you know or because you are kind of an outlier. Like once you do find someone that you like click with, is, do you feel like you get like much closer to them much quicker? Like mm-hmm. and how have you protected yourself in that way? You know because yeah. you are as empath and like you know notoriously women are weaknesses those men um, and that yeah. can come in a lot of different forms. And we've talked about this a lot this month about just like when you're in a special, when I think we all have our own, you know, life's purpose and like, um, you know, leading in ways and changing, shifting, shifting things in ways. But a lot of times we've, we, there are, there will be tests, you know, you'll be tested yeah. in order to like take on these roles and lead people. And like, how have you dealt with those challenges in dating? <sighs> Oof. Well, uh, <laughs> <laughs> sounds like she's still. Pro- are you still processing? <laughs> still processing. You know, I'll say, in no way am I an expert in love. Love is still something that I am really actively learning about in so many ways. I got. Uh, I was married for almost a decade, and I got divorced. I think maybe three years ago now, three and a half years. And in the last three years, 
which I took like the first year was in the pandemic. And I was like, I'm not dating these men that are feeling emotions for the first time. I am not about to take this on and clean this up. I will focus on my child. I will focus on myself. Um, but then kind of as I, you know, pop out and emerge to date or, you know, connect with people right now, I'm just in a place of curiosity with it. You know, like I, I'm someone that is not looking to be married. Um, and something I had to really kind of look back and remember is that since childhood, I never actually wanted to get married. Um, but I do believe in committed partnership and I do believe in, you know, having, um, I believe in the beauty of long-term companionship, but I'm, I'm just exploring. I'm being curious and I'm trying to do it all from the lens of being a sovereign woman and also a woman that understands that people can't, don't know how, and won't show up perfectly. And so how can I relate to that? And how, how can I keep the observation on me and my needs and what I'm choosing and not be so much projected on another person's behavior. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, <clears throat> because you've done a lot of work and you are highly intuitive, I would say, and and I feel this way as well, too. I mean, I'm still on my journey, too, and my intuition is, when it comes to love, my intuition is fucked up, okay? Mm. Period. <laughs> like, it's, it's usually on spot on, and then at some point, I... Either sex confuses me or, well, that's why I'm really going deeper with this relationship with my father because mm-hmm. there's com- there's a confusion that ha- that's happening there for me that's unresolved that gets really messy and cloudy for me when it, as it pertains to, like, masculine energy. Yeah, um, yeah. God, I mean, j- just to sit there for a second, that is so real for all of us in such a multitude of ways. Like, mm-hmm. even things that we say as like a joke, like one of my, one of my homies and I, we always say like Dolores Tucker was right this whole time. Who the fuck is Dolores Tucker? Do you remember like when, (laughs) when rap was really taking over in NWA, she was, I believe a Congresswoman or an assembly woman. And she was trying to get censorship and banning on the music, Mm. but the, misogyny always has the best beats Mm. like the music was like fire you know so everybody was fighting against it but let's really think about the effects of growing up as young women and hearing some of the music that we heard and that shaping our understanding of sex shaping especially if as many many people it's very rare experience to come from a fully quote-unquote healthy home you know we're picking up ways of being from everything around us. So it's like, it's plowing through the individual curriculum you have with your father and what you both decided you'd work through together this lifetime. And every man we dated up until this point of our lives and everything that influenced us, the shows, the, you know, the music, the conversations that were happening around us, like we absorbed all of it and took it on as collective, the collective. And we (laughs) took it on as belief about ourselves, about our worth. And so it's like we, and that's why we have to take shame out of everything and the way that we work with things we have to bring gentleness for ourselves and acceptance because there's so much that we didn't even give consent for that shaped our reality. You know, it's like this very slow, slow unlearning and dismantling and then like pulling in our own truth that we come to. Mm. Mm-hmm. 
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Um, before we started recording, you touched on a term that I've heard before, but I don't. I'd like to hear what your definition yeah. of it is. And um, it's sacred rage. Because... Mm. Um, Rage is something that I have been battling with for the last, I'd say, six months. And there's been parts of my rage that have come up where I'm like, whoa, I didn't know I could like get that mad. Or I didn't know I could get this angry. Or I could feel like, and I don't know if this is sacred. <laughs> this might just be toxic rage. Um, where I literally, like, I don't really give a fuck about who, how it affects anyone else. Yeah. I'm upset and everyone is going to feel this rage. Like that's mm. and like overtaking me and not mm-hmm. like, I think because I've tried to bottle it up so much yeah. and not speak it thinking like, okay, I'm tripping. I'm yeah. going to let it go. And it's like, bitch, you did not let it go. And now it's just, you know? So mm. I'm just curious, like, what is your, what is sacred rage? Can you explain that to, oh, to us? God. Yeah. Oh, I mean, just, how many of us relate to what you're saying, you know, (laughs) it's like, and again, it's like part of those containers that we're forced into as women, especially, you know, in this country, wherever you're from, of the way you're meant to respond to pain, the way that you're meant to, you know, that you should be responding to things that hurt. Sacred rage In the way that I experience it, it's a little bit more intentional than just rage. Like what I was hearing in some of what you described of like, you know, it's like, and I don't care what happens. And uh, that's when we get to the point that's a little bit outside of and above that. It's no longer sacred. Yeah, no longer (laughs) sacred, no longer safe. And so we have to kind of let that calm and hopefully come to a place of neutrality to work with it. But sacred rage is when you come into a space of saying that, like, you deserve to be pissed. Like, you have a right to be pissed. You have a right to feel your feelings. How often do we get pushed into these roles of something is done to you and then you also have to find the solution for it? Mm. Some, you have a you mm. have an experience oh with someone and then you're yeah. also in charge Literally. of bringing it's everyone into peace. Story of my life. You know, it's like, <laughs> yes. All, like, so many of us, we are taught to bypass instantaneously, take ownership of And then be the parent of the situation, whatever that situation is. And, you know, a lot of that definitely starts in childhood, having suppressed emotions, Mm -hmm. you know, not being able to feel, not not being able to have what, as a child, your body is designed to do, which is have a tantrum. You know, it's like as soon as even parents try to cut off the, the flow of a tantrum, if it's not hurting anyone... You're teaching your child to suppress Mm. and then they're building the muscle memory for that. And we don't see how much it affects us going into adulthood. But when you just kind of metabolize the process of suppression, you may have been doing it because you didn't get your binky, but then your body learns it. And so now you do it every time you get hurt. Now you do it when you may be violated and not know why you just naturally quiet and suppress yourself. Um, But it's that kind of muscle memory in our emotional world that we learn really, really young. And 
I think as parents, that's why it's so important to cultivate as best we can a lot of tools and a lot of patience because we have, we're only now beginning to understand the effect that us just wanting our kids to be quiet actually has on them. And it's like, is it necessary? Um, and now I forgot your original question. Oh, sacred rage. Okay. <laughs> so the way that I look at sacred rage is like sometimes, especially in the last couple of years when I was really, really moving through um, so much of my personal work, like just deeply moving through my deepest wounds. It was setting a calendar alert to cry mm. and setting a calendar alert to be pissed. And I'd be like, all right, <sighs> can't get this out of me just yet. Okay. Got to, okay. Got to do this with my kid doing this for work in two weeks. I'm going to break a bunch of shit, <laughs> you know, like I'm going to break some shit in two weeks. Like, <laughs> and then honoring that and letting myself, you know, I think it can be really divine when you create a container where you can bring forward your pain and your anger when it's not triggered, because mm. then you're able to be with it in a different way. Right. You're able to be with it in a way that feels a lot more empowered and not reactive. And it's like, okay, what really hurts? Well, I know this happened to me and that has fed everything else. So let me sit with that. And then when you feel rage come up, being pissed, screaming, scream into pillows, make yourself cringe you know, it's like, don't be above the mess of the process. Um, throw things as long as you're not going to harm another person or yourself. Go to, you know, they have rage rooms some places yeah. now. Like, you know, get a hammer and break some stuff, rip some stuff apart, you know, beat some stuff. Not a person, not yourself, <laughs> you know, but as soon as you give yourself license to do that, sometimes all our body ever wanted to do was to feel it mm -hmm. in the first place. So we can actually heal certain things that we didn't think we could with a lot more ease than we ever imagined. As long as we just commit to letting ourselves go there mm -hmm. and especially letting ourselves go there when we haven't been triggered into it by yet another thing that we're upset about. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, when you get to a certain place where it feels safe to do this, with your journal, write down what is your core curriculum? What are the patterns at play that you have been dealing with with different people and at different times over and over and over again? You know, what was the original wound for that? And then sit with it and look at it and take the year to process it. You know, it's not something you have to fix your anger by this weekend. Take a year, take four seasons. You know, how are you going to relate to this anger? As you get to go deeper after you've already healed a layer of it, mm -hmm. make time to cry, you know, like it's release. There is nothing weak about it. Our bodies long to release stored energy. Mm -hmm. You can't do both. You can't try to intellectualize the work and read the books and just build knowledge and say, yep, and that happened to me. And now I know where that is. You have to bring it into a somatic element. You have to bring it into your body and release it from your body. They have to happen together for lasting change to occur in yourself and in your life. Mm, that somatic healing is real as fuck. People bypass that and like think like they can intellectualize stuff. I like what you said so much about, I noticed that with my kid, it's like 
we we train kids to like be quiet and not take up space and not embarrass us in public, but it's like we're domesticating them in a way mm. that does uh, that does make cal- like calcify their emotions, and it brought it made me come into adulthood where I was just like non reactive, like I could literally feel myself making myself go numb because I felt feelings that were overwhelming. I didn't want to feel it, and that's a lot of like my adulthood. I started to feel like I fucking hate feeling. And I started to be like, why do I hate feeling so much? And what happens is like when you suppress that, when you suppress the rage, which is healthy, because let's be honest, there are things that come up, you know, as women, as you know, like in this fucked up world that will should make you enraged. And if you continue to like just downplay that and downplay that, you will feel nothing. You'll be numb and you won't be human. Humans are supposed to feel. And I've also realized recently it's just like when you suppress the rage, you suppress the sadness, you have no choice but to also suppress the joy. When you start to overly regulate your feelings, your body is trained to not overly feel. And I was literally telling myself this, like, I'm not about to, like, cry, like, that not that stops it. Like, there were feelings that I just actively was just pushing down because I didn't want to see. I don't want anyone else to see me feel and I didn't want to feel it mm. because it felt triggering because I'm only reacting when someone something's, you know, making me react. But then when there was times where I'm feeling immense joy and happiness and safety, I felt like I could not express it and I could not I could not embody it because yeah. and I didn't know why. I'm like, I actually really am happy. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm just like I felt like I was doing too much because I've already felt I've already trained myself so much in doing too much emotionally. Like, you know, when you're a kid and they're like, you're, you're tripping, you're not starving. You're, you know, like save those tears for something that really makes you cry. And so yeah. you start to like, you stop to, you stop, you start stopping. You wait, does it make sense? You stop embodying any extreme feeling and yeah. then you're in your, and you can't really, you can't, you can't choose. You can't choose what, what which feelings that you're numbing out because you've kind of just numbed out everything. There is your 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 nervous system cannot regulate which emotions are which. It just knows that after at a certain point you shut the fuck down. You freeze and that's it. And so it's taken me a lot to kind of undo that and really realize like it requires the voice to speak. It requires like I'm pissed yeah. off. It requires it, it requires that even to feel compassion for other people because by doing that you're not being compassionate with yourself. You're not being soft with yourself, and so it becomes hard to care about anybody else's feelings. Yeah. And so when I'm hearing you talk about the compassion and like just being self aware, it's so true that I, I keep saying this like I'm I'm the compassion first has to begin with you or she won't even be able to identify when you're not being compassionate to somebody else because you're fucking numb. And I've done it, you know, like a lot. And it's, and, and, and I'm happy you said the childhood thing is because when you grow up in those, you know, most of us have, because most parents are taught to keep your kids in line that you don't really have the tools in adulthood to, to feel or to speak or to yeah. rage or to like have extreme joy and he almost feels guilty you know like this this feels too good to be true or too safe and it's difficult you know and i think um more people have to hear that it's like you really you have to move that energy in your body like you have to you know and like that's even sexually it was even physical pleasure yes you know i that was just so powerfully said um so so powerfully said and like the piece about numbness, I think so many women confuse being numb with being the bigger person, mm. being numb with being stoic. You know, it's like we can be like, 
oh, I'm above that. Or strong. Or, yeah. or strong. Or like there's this toxic positivity syndrome yeah. where it's like, I'm not going to feed into that. Like, I'm just so positive. It's like, no, bitch, you're not positive. You're just not feeling shit. <laughs> you're just yeah. numb the fuck out. You know, and you're like, I'm happy. I'm good. Everything's good. No, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm sure. Str- no, I'm sure. Str- I'm fine. You know, yeah. I'm like, as women, we do that a lot because a lot is put on our plate. But it's like, when you're not fine, you have to say you're not fine or else you'll start to believe that you're fine. And then you won't even yeah. know when you're not. And I've done that. I've just been dead. And like, I'm fine. Like, no, bitch, you're not. But you don't even, you can't even recognize that you're not fine because you can't feel shit. Yeah. You know, because you're so yeah. used to saying everything's the fuck okay. And so someone disrespecting you or someone hurting you literally feels like nothing because you've trained yourself to not feel shit. To protect, it's, and a lot of times it's a defense mechanism. But we have yeah. to find our place, ourselves in safe places to disarm ourselves and regulate our nervous system so that we're not, we're not, like react we're not at like um acting from a place of nothingness <laughs> you know it's crazy yeah god and we have to do doing the work of the sacred rage doing the work of feeling makes space for the joy too because life is a hundred percent always going to be teetering between grief and joy a hundred percent of the time you don't do all this work and then arrive at your perfect life Life changes, life transforms, but we're never going to not be disappointed by something. We're never going to not be kind of poked and prodded or somehow, you know, potentially injured by things that happen in the world, even if it's just observationally. So it's like making peace with the fact that, yes, this world is imperfect, but I'm going to let myself feel joy when it's present. Instead of being scared of it, I'm going to build my tolerance to it. Instead of being scared that like, no, 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 I don't want to let myself get happy or excited because then it's going to go wrong or the other shoe is going to drop. Right. Yeah, Mm -hmm. shit is going to go wrong. Let's be real. Like, yes, it is. But anticipating that is not going to feel the joy while it's there because be sure you're going to feel pain again. So feel the joy, too, because that's what allows our life to be, quote unquote, balanced. That's where the harmony comes from. Don't don't commit to living in one extreme and not gift yourself the opportunity to feel the other move through your body. Honestly, um, that, that that's it's some powerful shit, and I'm I'm, I'm sad it's taking me 35 years to, to fucking realize like, bitch, you can't numb yourself out. Um, but what I a do. Blessing. 35 years is nothing. I know. I, I've, I've been telling myself that lately. I'm like, sometimes I fuck up, then I'm like, you know, what? I'm gonna look back at this shit 50 years at 50 and be like, bitch, you were you were 12. Every <laughs> ancestor went to their grave without these awarenesses or the opportunity wow for this. so how or like we're, we're just in time like yeah. even more in time than we could ever think of and i'm thinking about sacred rage um and how we actually do this i know retreats you know like i didn't have a term for it yeah but we have a, a, a practice that we do with our group where they are we act like they actively women need permission yes to do it like, I actually have to show them that it's okay for you to scream. Like, you can scream. Yeah. No how one's would, coming for you. How would they you. know otherwise? Yeah, and it's so crazy, the things that come up. And then yeah. at the end of it all, the space in your body that you have because you haven't given yourself this space. And it's so crazy. Randomly, this is a random moment I had the other night. I was masturbating. And, um, and I had this, like, release. And it was like this... 
I could feel energy passing through my body and my at the my fingertips were numb mm. and my feet and I just I had to do this for like five minutes. I've never had anything like happen like that. And Ooh. and I use masturbation as ritual too. Like I use it Hell for yes. manifesting. I use it for <laughs> uh, pissed off balance control. I use it whenever I'm horny, whatever, all the different things. But this one, in, this in particular, the reason I was using it was because I was on edge. And I was like, mm-hmm. I have got to get out of my body and out of my head mm-hmm. and into my, actually, I have to get into my body and out of my head. Mm-hmm. And when I did, I had this, like, it was, I felt, like, literal energy coming out. And it was like, I needed to, like, shake it, shake it, shake it. And it was something I'd never experienced before. And when I was, when it was finally out of me, it was like, oh, something left me. Yeah. Something I made space for something. And oh my okay, first of all, epic. Secondly, like that's the part that I hope everyone takes away. The work is not as arduous and as grueling and as hard as we think it is when we're avoiding it. Because sometimes it really is as simple as let yourself feel all of it once. Bitch scream. Once. It might even <laughs> only take an hour. Mm-hmm. And then it's gone. And a lot of the times it, it's gone for good. Mm-hmm. Like it clicks out. And then if you do revisit whatever it is, you can revisit it in a neutrality. When you're in neutrality, it lets you be curious. When you're curious, you create new patterns within yourself that lead to lasting change. Mm. You know, and I really I'm happy that you, you said that. Like I, I, I realize we've spent a lot of time together and we have we spent all of our thirties together, and I'm not saying like, I'm 27. You're all of our twenties <laughs> together, and it, f- deeply, inter- deeply intertwined, deeply aligned, deeply as mirrors to each other. And I've really seen, and more than that, felt a lot of the changes and shifts that you've made, especially this year. And we have both for each other witnessed a lot of transformations and a lot of evolutions. And we've really assisted in that, even if we haven't realized it, the evolving of like the women that we are today. And I just, today is your birthday. And I just want to remind you of like the woman that you've become in the last, you know, six years, five years that I've, I've witnessed you grow into and like watch you embrace these ebbs and flows. And even when shit has been difficult and, you know, I've seen the grace that you've, you know, you've given others and yourself and just the, to bear witness to the, the blossoming and the, the cocoon and the, the uncocooning of the woman that you are has been really, really, really beautiful. And I'm proud of you. you. And I know this has been a tough year for you. And I know it's been an extremely successful year for you too. And I know it's been, um, a lot of ups and downs. And I think that's difficult as women when we're experiencing really grand things alongside things that are like disheartening and, and, and sad. And I know it's a, it's a weird place to be sometimes, but, um, it is your birthday. So I got you a little surprise and I just want to tell you that I love you so much and I'm very proud of you and the, the woman that you've become and that I've gotten to witness and you witnessing yourself do the work and just being self aware and saying, you know what, I'm going to let this go and I'm going to pick this up and I'm going to do this work and just, you know, allowing yourself to do that has been very beautiful. So you just wait here. I'll be right back. Thank you. (laughs) Happy birthday. I love you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. You've had such an amazing year. Wow. Birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Erica. 
Happy birthday to you. That was the white version, but okay, we'll go. Happy birthday to ya. Happy birthday to ya. Happy birthday. Come on, Stevie. Come on. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, you are Stevie? I heard so. Oh, my God. <laughs> Thank you, my love. I love you. I love you. Um, Thank you. I wonder what the like the ritualistic candle means. Uh, no one's. I wonder like why do we blow out candles on a cake? I don't know. I know it's interesting because actually in ritual they say you know not to ever put out fire with your breath. Yeah, they say to like put it with your fingers. Yeah. Wow. Fuck. I fucked it up. No. <laughs> oh my god. And now I'm just kidding. I wonder. I wonder. <laughs> you know what I? You know, I just found out recently from one of my. Um, my amazing uh, teachers in Vedic philosophy and astrology, he was sharing that um, there are Vedic mantras that you use before prayer that are specifically prayers about how you're going to get it wrong. So mm. it's like, if I mispronounce any words, mm-hmm. if I do any part of this ritual incorrectly, please forgive me in advance yeah. and take my intention so that mm. it's done correctly. And so like, yeah, so you fine. Okay, cool. <laughs> I meant it with all... All the best intentions. Um, so thank you. You're welcome, my love. I'm very happy to spend this birthday with you for another year. Thank you. Debbie, do you have an affirmation for us? Maybe or for me? Yes, I Maybe do. Maybe an affirmation for me. A oh birthday affirmation? <laughs> I'm really excited to share this affirmation with you because it has created miraculous energy in my life. It's like shifted so much. And I say it especially anytime I'm in a crowded space or I need help or really to start my day. But I created this affirmation a couple years ago and it is, I accept, no, start over. I attract, experience, and receive the highest version of every being whom I encounter. Mm. I attract, experience, and receive the highest version of every being I encounter. Yeah. Mm. The way that that's worked in my life is, you know, when you do the work, right, we still live in a world of everyone else who may not have um, or people at different places in their process. And I found that, one, that affirmation extends a lot of grace from my heart outwardly for people in their process. But it also has miraculously kind of transformed my experiences that I don't know who the person may be to anybody else or who they are the rest of their day. But when they're in front of me, I'm always experiencing the best of who that person can be. Mm. Um, And I've used that at airports, like literally where there's 200 people stranded standing outside. And I'm like, and she she done cursed everyone else out. But when she got to you, she was kind. (laughs) Literally like, you know what? Come on, I'm gonna take you the secret way. Let's go. (laughs) So like I started having all those kind of experiences. So it's worked beautifully in my life. I, I think it helps us really open our hearts to the belief that there can be good outcomes, even in the most stressful environments. I commend that because as you know, as we do the work, it becomes much more challenging to experience people who 
who haven't or are not aware or, you Oof. know, it's just, it becomes more challenging. And then you're like, what the fuck, God? And then you can go into that realm where you're like, I'm above all this shit, including <laughs> all you. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. it's easy to go into ego when you experience people. Yes. Yeah. To separate yourself. But the truth is we're all human and we're all like mirrors to each other and we're all different versions of ourselves at different times. And like, it gives you, you know, you have to have compassion for people who are just like ignorant in their bl- bliss and their ignorance. And, yeah. you know, sometimes that's, for the safety of everyone, but also just preparing yourself to know and give compassion for experiencing people who are not at the same place that you are. And then yeah. feeling okay with having that discriminative awareness to allow those people to flow out and know that, that that's Ooh. energy that you cannot hold on to and that you cannot keep and that your purpose is so much bigger in this life or your purpose is this and that pur- purpose and that yeah. lesson is that. And in order for you to fulfill your purpose, you have to release those people and not in a negative or I'm yeah. higher or better than you way, but just for me to do what I need to do, I got to exit left. Hell yes. Ooh, we, well, before we get out of here, cause I know you gotta go. You pulled the nine swords. Upside <laughs> down. Upside down. Reverse, reverse nine of swords. So I don't, do you, do you want to speak to this, how this, let me translates see to you what or i can say i can just read it okay, okay. all right ready? well let's not i don't i don't know if this was a card for me personally or if it's for the collective mm, okay could be so, for either, either. Yes. i i don't know whether i'll accept and receive this or not <laughs> you don't have to <laughs> okay so reversed uh inner turmoil deep-seated fears secrets releasing worry so the nine of swords reverse shows that you are experiencing deep inner turmoil as a result of your mindset your negative thoughts are taking you in a downward spiral of despair and anxiety that contradicts reality you are making things feel much worse than they really are you may try to keep your worries private and personal to you but if you are struggling to keep your head above water it may now be time to confide in others and seek their help and support others will offer you a new perspective or even just a place to vent that will ease some of the stress and tension the reverse nine swords can also point out that you are incredibly hard on yourself putting yourself down or engaging in negative self-talk so when the nine of swords reversed appears in a reading ask yourself why are you so hard on yourself how are you putting yourself down and what is the source of your depression what can you do to make yourself feel better on a more positive note, the nine of swords reverse can show that you have already worked through this period of worry and depression and are making a recovery. You may have come to a realization that things are not as bad as you made them out to be, and you are beginning to relax and calm yourself about what was once a terrifying situation. Hmm. Hmm. That doesn't feel resonant for me. Um, I think if I think of turmoil, something I shared with you before we walked in here is my travel schedule for work is nuts. And so definitely today I was in a lot of stress of like, wow, you're going to be gone most of November. Mm. Okay. And then how do we do this? And just kind of thinking about the process of being a mom and doing that much. Um, But yeah, I feel really in my life and in my process, I feel clearer than I've ever felt. And I feel more... um, in acceptance of, in grace with, and in flow with my life than I think I've ever been. Beautiful. Well, maybe this card, if it's not for you, but maybe if maybe the it message could be about is, my travel. is that yeah. it's not going to be as bad as you think. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be good. It's going to be easeful. Baby boy is going to be taken care of yeah. just fine. And you're going to go through, have amazing encounters with people and experiences in your travels that are going to be really necessary to keep you in flow of what yeah. you're doing. Always. So... Thank you. 
Well, Debbie, it's always wonderful to have you on. If you guys haven't listened to Debbie's episode, we have an episode we did, I think, like almost two years ago. It was called Healing Your Inner Child. Yeah, we have one almost two years ago with Debbie, and then we're on her show last week. Yes, yes. So go this check week, us out. Yes. Oh, yeah, go check us out over there. Um, Debbie's always dropping the, the spiritual gems. I love you. I'm, <laughs> I'm always grateful to see you and, and get to converse, so I appreciate you very much. So where can our people find you? Thank you both so much. It is always like just such a privilege and truly such a joy to be in community with both of you and just like be in this flow of our unique journey as women and as enlightened beings and as moms, you know, just like everything we spoke to on the show today was just so deep and it's just I'm so glad we dove into like all the nuance of what it is to do the work and where you find the pains and how you let it go. Mm -hmm. Um, Everyone can, I always say just connect with me on Instagram and click the link in bio. It'll link you to my website. Um, I'm the voice of daily meditation on the Chopra app. So you can meditate with me 365 days a year. (laughs) Um, I have a few hundred meditations I've done on there. And my podcast is called Deeply Well. It's all about conversations in higher consciousness and self-care. And I have a book, Crystal Bliss. I have a couple announcements coming in the coming weeks. But yeah, at Debbie Brown on my IG and click the link in the bio. So make sure you check out Debbie. And if you haven't already, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Subscribe to our YouTube channel if you're watching right now. Just click that subscribe button. And happy Halloween. Happy Halloween. Be safe. Put up your ancestor altars. And send us your costumes. Oh, yeah. We love costumes. We're the (laughs) Halloween queens. Bye. Bye. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.